Yes, I'd like to welcome Pastor Christian Lee. All right, let's get, can we get all the lights on? Um, it's not youth group. <clears throat> uh, and I like to set the atmosphere. I like a good punigi. Uh, it's a Korean word for like a good environment, ambiance. Uh, I'm going to ask the last three rows. If you guys can empty out those three rows, there's about 20 of you. Could you guys just kind of move up to the front? Because there's this column here in the middle. And I don't want none of my words getting blocked by that column. You know, I was wa watching a video. This has nothing to do with my message, but listen. I was watching a video on my flight over to California. And there was a documentary which talked about how our five senses are actually not independent of each other. But they're actually quite connected. And there was an experiment that they did. <clears throat> and in the experiment, they had a gentleman on video. And he kept saying, ba, 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 ba. And so you watch the video and you see him saying ba and you hear him saying ba. And then on the next sequence, they made his lips look like he's making a fa sound an f sound but then you couldn't hear anything so it was he was it looked like he was saying fa 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 and then they turned on the audio and it sounds when i looked at him it sounded like he was saying fa 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 but in actuality it was the same audio as when he was saying ba and so it was, it was tripping me out and so I, I was like, no, 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 I know I hear ba. So when I closed my eyes, I heard ba. But when I opened my eyes and saw his lips making the F sound, I kept hearing fa. Huh. And so weird. And so they split the screen. And they only used the audio of the ba sound. But when you look at the right side where, it's, where he looks like he's saying ba, you hear ba. But when you look to the left, it looks like he's saying the F sound, you hear fa. Huh. Isn't that trippy? So they were saying, seeing is not always believing. Because <laughs> your senses don't mess, you, mess with you. The way that God's created your senses is they're all actually quite connected. So I, I like to have people kind of move up and see me as I preach. You know what I mean? Preaching is not just uh, audio activity. It's, it involves all your senses. Even your sense of smell. You know, when you do altar call, and you smell something good, you feel good, you want to receive more. When you smell something bad, you're like, oh, that must be the devil, and you start closing your heart. Now, your senses are all connected, so you know, I want you guys to try to uh, sit close up in front, toward the front or you know, around that column area so you guys aren't sitting behind that. My name's Christian. I know about one-third of you in this room. Uh, like Pastor Benjamin said, I, my wife and I, we are the lead pastors of an English ministry under a Korean church in Seoul, Korea called New Philadelphia. We have, right now, we have a main campus in the Shilim section of Seoul. 
It's about 250 young people gather every week for that. And then we have a church plant we did in Itaewon, which is a foreigner area where a lot of military guys hang out. And we have about 90 people there. We have a church plant that's about three years old, and there's about 90 people that are gathering. And by the way, they're not, uh, I don't permit my guys to go from one service to another. Like if they sleep in, they can't go to the afternoon service at Itaewon. You know, if they sleep in, you know, they're going to get a rebuke and you show up to the hillside, you show up to the main campus. If that's the, the community you belong to, you show up to that community. You don't jump between communities just because of your convenience. You come out and you be a member of a one covenant community, that local covenant community, and you commit yourself to build that community. Of course, although we're two campuses, we're still one house. But I require of my members to be committed to one local church, one, uh, one campus at a time. And then we planted another church uh, last year in the city of Busan. So it's our first church plant outside the city of Seoul. And God's grace was upon it because 10 people from Seoul, we do what we call punching. We punch them. We challenge them to pray about leaving the comforts of their current jobs, their relationships, friendships, and moving to uh, the city of Busan to do a church plant. So 10 people said yes, they moved down, they quit their jobs. And you know, they started panicking actually when they moved down to Busan. And they started doing job uh, searching and about half the team got jobs, but the other half could not find jobs. So they were like, you know, Pastor Christian, what are you going to do? I can't find a job. And I was like, look, it was your decision. <laughs> I'm the pastor over this house, but look, check this out. It was your decision. And so you need to bring this before the Lord. I can't do that for you. God's doing something good here. You've got to believe His goodness. Keep pressing in and trust that He is going to provide you with a job. And as they continue to do that, every single one of them got jobs. And so we have about 40 young people that gather in Busan right now. It's about one years old. And Pastor Benjamin just was joking about it, but uh, currently we're on our next church plant. And so there's a lot of God's grace. It's, it's not... Uh, by our professionalism or our diligence, although we know we pursue more excellence in everything we do. You know, we're far from some of the professional ministries that we see out there. You know, some of the more uh, clean, clean and neat ministries, professional ministries. We're, we're far from that. But there's a grace upon us right now to do the church plants. Because there's a mandate on our house to reach young people. In fact, that's all we do. We reach young people. Now, it's not that we discriminate against old people, all right? But that's what we're good at. We're good at reaching 20-somethings. We're good at reaching college-age students right now. So that's the two demographics that make up probably 99% of the church. And then there's like 45-year-olds that just have, uh, they're young at heart. So they like hanging out with us. They come out as well. You know, it's a very, it's a young demographic. But there's a grace on us to do that. And I, I took that grace for granted until I started talking to pastors, pastors of medium-sized churches, pastors of mega-churches. And they kept communicating to me that the churches in America and the churches in Korea right now are simply not reaching their young people, period. They're not doing it. The proportion is just, it's just gross. How small of a percentage. Like you will have an adult congregation of 5,000 and then their young adult congregation, their Cheongyeonbu in Korean, is called Cheongyeonbu, will be a, a size of 40. A church of 5,000, and they can only reach about 40, 50 young people. 
Even the most successful megachurches in Korea right now, they're simply not reaching young people. And you guys know the same problem is going on in America with the silent exodus. Young people are simply not coming out to church. They're not living that Christian life. And so there's a grace upon us to reach young people. There's a mandate on us, I believe, to really synthesize and build a ministry that is effective at reaching the next generation. Now, eventually we're going to get old. And I think if we try to take what we are doing right now and turn them into a manual or a textbook or a textbook of methods, we're probably going to reach, we're not going to reach the next generation. The key to reaching each new generation is to be attentive to the voice of the Spirit. Yeah. It's to follow what the Holy Spirit is anointing. Yeah. Not what the Holy Spirit anointed when you were 22. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? There's just two. I mean, I honor all the hymn writers and I know the rich theology behind hymns. And you know, once in a while, it makes me tear up. But look, all the churches where they are still singing hymns, which at one point, 150 years ago, you know, when people were 25, 28 years old, that was the joy. That was what people made people cry. They would sing these hymns and they ah, A mighty fortress is our God. You know, during the Great Awakening, that, that was the songs that they sang. But in this generation... The Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, he lifted his anointing off the hymns and he started putting it on <laughs> praise music. You know, you got to think about it. It was only about 25 years ago that the Vineyard Church was getting massively persecuted for implementing rock and roll into the church. Because, because a lot of conservative fundamentalists were saying rock and roll is of the devil. And you know what? If you watched some of these hard rock groups, heavy metal groups, Van Halen, or, or um, Led Zeppelin, they're very involved with the occulti occultism. So it looks like they, rock and roll is the devil. And there's a lot of drugs involved. So, you know, church didn't want to do anything to do with that. But what they didn't know was, rock and roll didn't necessarily come from Satan. I think rock and roll spoke to the young generation back in the 70s with the Beatles blowing up. That was what the Holy Spirit was anointing. But the church failed to, to be attentive to that. The church failed to redeem what God had released onto the earth. So the Beatles picked it up, did their little LSD, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, by the way, which stands for LSD. The Beatles <laughs> took that, went to India, learned all this Hinduism, whatever, and, and then you know, chakras and whatnot. They brought it back, and they, were, they weren't even American, you know that, right? They're British dudes. They came and they just took America by storm. They just took, took over all these young people in America. But uh, Vineyard Church with John Wimber, they were attentive to what the voice of the Holy Spirit was saying. And the Holy Spirit was, was highlighting rock and roll at that time. You know, we don't know at which point maybe the Holy Spirit might even lift your anointing off of rock and roll. And you won't be having like drum sets and guitars and basses and keyboards one day. You might, you might have a DJ. <laughs> Everybody come out and praise, 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 praise. You know? Like, and if you're like, oh, back, you're still back in the old days, like, oh, the old wine is better, old wine is better, but the Holy Spirit's pouring out the new wine, yeah. and you're not stretchable, moldable, adaptable, 
And you're just like, well, we're our church, we're not going to go with all that DJing stuff and all them lights and whatever the young people are doing. We're going to stick with the rock and roll praise that we know. And then you just don't reach the young people. Anyway, this doesn't apply just to music. It applies to all, like, all areas of ministry. Like, even like um, one area I believe pastors are very slow in embracing is social media. I, res- I honor Rick Warren. I honor like pastors that get it. Like Rick Warren said something like this. He said, young people aren't hanging out at malls anymore. So we've been trying to evangelize at malls, and we're not finding young people there. They're hanging out on Facebook. They're on Twitter. We got to go where the young people are. And so he's, he's got it. He's got it, you know. But a lot of pastors are very slow to embrace social media. They like to demonize Facebook, right? Facebook's of the devil. Steals away all your time. Steals away all your uh, attentiveness and ability to focus. Yeah, sure it does. If you don't exercise self-control, yeah, it does. But if we will redeem it because we know the Holy Spirit's highlighting it and that's what's reaching the young people, then we got to be where the young people are. So one thing that's cool, New Philly right now with our uh, campus in our main campus, our Itaewon campus, our Busan campus, and then I just told you about our first international church, church plant. We're doing it in Sydney, Australia right now. So we got a team of guys there. And there's about 8 to 10 people that are gathering for worship every Sunday and during the middle of the week for community group. And God is just moving there. And they're building up a strong covenant community. Total of all four campuses, we have about 400 people in attendance each week. But if you look on our Facebook, we have over 2,000 likes already. And some of the old heads, they'd be like, man, why, why, why is your church always like doing all this Facebook stuff? Why is all this Facebook stuff? What they don't know is I get regular messages. You know, thank you for posting your sermon on Facebook. You know, all these people were commenting on your sermon and it happened to pop up in my feed. I listened to it and it just changed my life. I listened to it and I just started speaking in tongues all of a sudden. Because Pastor Christian, when you, when you taught on tongues, I just, it just activated something inside of me. I had a young man, he was on the airplane, coming from a campus crusade mission trip, where they forbid you to speak in tongues during a mission trip. Normally, they put that on the missions app. They say, will, will you refrain from speaking in tongues if you exercise the gifts? You have to check off yes for you to go on that mission trip. Anyway, this is, this is weird history with campus crusade. But I love campus crusade. I was with them with, for 10 years. And this homie was coming off a missions trip, going back home, listening to my sermon via podcast. And on the airplane, he just started breaking out in tongues. <laughs> disturbing all of his neighbors. <laughs> but he said that there was just a presence of God. He didn't care. He didn't care. He just, he just was crying and just speaking in tongues. You know, Facebook, social media. So, you know, we post up these pictures and videos. And the reason why I, I do that and the reason why I, get all, I yell at all my staff to get it right, make sure the pictures are up on time, and make sure the pictures are good quality, is because young people are on Facebook. And a lot of times they're wasting their time on Facebook, and when they run out of, you know, when they get bored with listening and reading all these, you know, kind of dumb or, you know, like pointless status updates with people, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm more tired than yesterday. When they get tired of looking at the status updates, you know, they will, they will see their friend tagged in a missions photo. Yeah. Their friend tagged in a retreat photo. Yeah. 
And they were like, why is my friend on the ground? <laughs> why is my friend flaring his arms like that? You know? And it, and, it, and it piques their interest. It gets their attention. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, uses all that to bring forth more and more testimonies. And so I believe that our church, we, we reach a lot more people than actually show up on Sundays. You know, I think that's what it means to be an apostolic ministry. That you are a blessing not only to the local ministry that you minister to, but also to the wider body of Christ. Now, this retreat is a young adult retreat. So I'm guessing that almost all of you, except the exception of a few, I, I think you know who you are. <laughs> that almost all of you are, what, age, what was the age here, 18 to 39? Is that considered young adult here? But just for the retreat. Just for the retreat. Just for this retreat. Just for this retreat. What does that mean? Um, We've never had a rite of passage. Uh-huh. So we are allowing little older people. Oh, some of the older people that are more immature. <laughs> you allow them to come so that they can grow up. <laughs> so if you're like over 30, you're only allowed to come to this retreat once. <laughs> But if this is a young adult retreat, right? And that's because uh, I believe there are more than one ministries represented here. Obviously, uh, we got Ark, we got the Living Hope, we got some people from other churches that have come and joined us. Did any of the Las Vegas guys actually end up coming? I don't see any of the Las Vegas guys. Okay, maybe, maybe they might join us tomorrow or something. But this is a young adult retreat. And I believe PB and PS, they brought me here because... They see a grace on New Philly to reach young people. And I agree. There's, a, there's definitely a grace on us. And I think the question then becomes, how are you doing it? What are some of the secrets to reaching young adults? That's a good question. I don't really know. <laughs> I've just been going with the flow this whole time. And so it take, it's forcing me to examine, what are we doing differently? How are we doing things? Because although New Philly only has about 400 people coming out each week, I mean, you ever come visit New Philly, like every single one of those 400 people are like on fire for Jesus. It's crazy. I never grew up with church like this. You know? I thought people just get like that at the, at the retreat once a year. But like every single Sunday, to see people just wanting to go deeper with God, Wanting to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it is unusual. And so even though we, we don't have as many. Actually, there are English ministries in Korea right now that are much bigger than us. We have only the English ministry. They have almost 1,000 people. They have one campus has 400 people. Another campus has 600 people. There's Haran English ministry called New Harvest. That's the biggest right now. They have 1,200 people. They have about four services, 300 people at each service. They have about 1,200 people coming out. We have Jubilee. Jubilee has, I think, about three, 350 right now, people. Those are some of the bigger EMs right now. And, so, so, and, and all of them are opening up more and more to the Holy Spirit, by the way. Those EMs are traditionally not very open to the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Korean churches of these English ministries are often very open to the Holy Spirit. But the English ministries are very close to the Holy Spirit. But the EM pastors right now, I'm good, I'm good friends with all of them. God's kind of written this story where I'm good friends with all of them. And they're all very open to the Holy Spirit. And so I share with them freely about what God's doing in New Philly. And they take mental notes. And they, and they I, I feel like we're influencing them to open up even more. 
But God's moving. God's moving. But if you, let me just be real. When you go with some of these other EMs, you got to hype people up. You know what I mean? You know, you know sometimes the praise leader, you know, at New Philly, the worship leader just comes up. His name is Pastor John. Pastor John Newfell, he's a Mennonite from Canada. Like, he, he just lives in heaven realm. Like, he's such, he's such a worshiper. So he'll just come up. He's got these big, steely blue eyes. And he'll just start strumming the guitar. And everyone's just lifting their hands. It's powerful. He's got an anointing to bring people into the presence. But also, there's a culture of worship. But I visited some of these other EMs. I won't name which ones, right? But I visited some of these EMs. And, you know, you know sometimes the worship leader, instead of, like, being a worship leader, he ends up being a hype man. Come on, everyone, let's clap our hands. Come on, everyone, please stand to your feet as we worship Jesus together. And you got to, like, hype people up. Because every week people come in and their just hearts are stone, like stone cold. And the, and the waters are just very stale. And so, you know, the worship leader has to play hype man. But that also shows that a lot of those people in the congregation during the week, how are they living their lives? Or... What kind of resources do they think they have access to? Because they seem beat up every time they come to Sunday. And so it's kind of not their fault that they need to be hyped up. In fact, sometimes when you try to hype them up, they get annoyed. Because they're just so beat down and weary. And they're just like, you know what? I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to clap today. You know, and sometimes you just got to leave them alone. Because they, they just feel beat up. They just feel beat up. But I believe that's not the way the church should look like. I believe Jesus died for much more than that. Jesus did not die for a church just to have a ticket to heaven. A whole bunch of people who got tickets to heaven, but have no access to the resources of heaven. They're just waiting for them to die and go to heaven, not knowing that Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Christian life is not about going to heaven, although we do do that. It's also about bringing heaven down to earth, right? And so, when Pastor Benjamin and Sonny invited me to preach, I started thinking, what are some of the key things that I feel like have built up the New Philly ministry? And so I'm going I'm to speak about three things. And the first thing I'm going to talk about tonight is called impartation. Everybody say impartation. 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 I believe the secret to New Philly's fruit to disciple and reach young people is one of the big secrets is this word impartation. In the Greek, it's metadidomi. Everybody say metadidomi. Metadidomi. Uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Now, this word impart, metadidomi, doesn't appear very often in the, in the Bible. But the very activity and ministry of impartation is evident everywhere. And so I'm going to talk about that today. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Apostle Paul writes to Rome and he says, For I long to see you. That I may impart, metadidomi, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift 
to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Everybody say impartation. impartation. Hey, get grab me my glasses real quick. All right. What is impartation? I have a friend that used to be a gangbanger with the Bloods. The Korean American. In fact, I think he was the first Asian ever to join the Bloods. His parents owned a grocery store in South Central. And uh, he became pretty jaded with life because he was a star running back and he injured his knee. And he just got real bitter at God and got bitter at life. And so he started, he started hanging out with some of these uh, black kids in the neighborhood. And some of those guys were bloods. They were gangbangers. And they just thought they'd just play around with him to see if, he, if he'd be willing to join, just to see what, what he'd buy that. And no, he ended up joining the bloods. Did some real bad stuff to get, to get initiated into the gang. You don't just join the bloods. I mean, you do a lot of bad stuff to get in so that they have that kind of dirt on you so that you can't just leave. Anyway, he was a gangbanger, but uh, after he went to jail, he got saved, got, he got an impartation of the power of the Holy Spirit, and God called him into the ministry. And uh, he came out to Korea because he, uh, he didn't come out to Korea. He got kicked out of America. <laughs> so uh, he kept going out in and out of jail, and they found out he was a Korean citizen. So although he grew up in L.A., they kicked him out and told him never to return to America. And when he got to Korea, um, he's, he was doing ministry. And sometimes we invite him over, over to New Philly. And I love what he said. I think he learned it from somebody else. But I love what he says. He says, some things are not taught, but caught. Right? I don't know if you ever heard that before. Some things in the Christian life, they're not taught. They're caught. Meaning that you cannot study your way into some of the graces of God that are going to help you to grow and help you to be equipped. You receive those things by impartation, by a transfer. In fact, that's what that Greek word metadidomi it means. Didomi means to give. Meta, that prefix, means proximity and transfer. So it's to give out of a transfer, to give from a place of proximity. That's what impartation means. And in the history of New Philly, we would not have gotten to where we are without the ministry of impartation. In fact, the story of New Philly goes like this. A guy named Pastor James Ree who just got out of jail, he also got saved in jail and got a powerful impartation and then he got, God called him into the ministry. He came to Korea in April of 2006. And at that time, I was not the pastor of the ministry. I was just the lay leader. And he came and he was like a, he was trained up mentor by a Pentecostal. And so when he came, he started screaming into the mic like this the whole time. For like 45 minutes, he was preaching like this. And he was just saying, Jesus is alive. And you all need to give your life to Jesus. And you need to lay down your sins and come up and receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? You got to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. And he was really, really rough around the edges. <laughs> Couldn't understand about half the message. Because he was screaming so loud. 
But one thing was undeniable. Uh, April of 2006, in a room full of about 100, mostly Korean Americans that grew up in a conservative Presbyterian background, they were being drawn by God to come up to the front to receive prayer. I'd say about two-thirds of the room came up for prayer. And when they came up, they did not know what to expect. This, ex, this, uh, this is another gangster. This is Pastor James, who came out of jail. He, when they came up to Pastor James, Pastor James had one thing to say to them. And it was, fire! <laughs> That's all. Next prayer, fire! Now the cool thing was when he said that, people were just falling to the ground and crying. Some of them were shouting. Some of them were shaking. It was nuts. I never, I never seen anything like that. I, I saw it on TV. But when I saw it in real life, I, I was like, you know, when you see it on TV, you mock it. You know, I used to mock Benny Hinn's services and just be like, man, that's like his team. They set it all up. You know, all those guys are actors. They probably get an honorarium for acting. You know, Benny Hinn sets that all up. And I used to mock it. But when I saw it in real life, my heart was beating. The fear of the Lord came upon me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think this is God. I think this is God. And so people just were scared, but they were still coming forward. It was so strange. So fire, 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 fire. And people are just falling to the ground and they're crying. Then he prayed for the, um, the pastor of the EM at that time. His name is Pastor David. He prayed for Pastor David. Pastor David goes down to the ground. Then he prays for Pastor David's uh, younger brother who was like a, a celebrity singer in Korea. He's like a celebrity. And he prays for him and he falls down. Everybody's getting laid out. And then you see a group of about 20 Korean Americans in the back and they're ready to leave. <laughs> they were so scared. And so I remember uh, Pastor Dave let me grab the mic and I just grabbed the mic and I said, hey you guys, don't be scared. I didn't know what I was saying, but I just said, don't be scared. God has shown up in this place. He didn't expect, he didn't come the way you might have expected. But look, this is, this is God. God, Holy Spirit is touching people here. So let's talk about it. Let's process it. But don't reject it. And people felt like the safety, they said, when I, when I shared that. Because a lot of girls in the room were very scared. That was the first outpouring, first impartation that our English ministry ever experienced. Uh, a few months later, September 2006, he came back again. This time, he did an entire retreat. It was three, three days of fire, fire, come up to the front, receive the fire. And he had only one message. <laughs> he preached four times, but all the messages were the same. It was, get, come up and get more fire. You didn't get more fire last night. You're, you're struggling with that sin because you didn't get enough fire. Get up, come up and get more. And all these people got wrecked. And it was powerful. It was powerful. And people came back and they were full of joy. And they were definitely more in love with Jesus. Yeah. It was something that just teaching and preaching alone couldn't, couldn't quite achieve. Or it took a long time to achieve. Yeah. People were just, it looked like they got a new heart. Wow. Actually, that weekend when we came back from the retreat was the Sunday I met Pastor Aaron for the first time. Oh. <laughs> and let me tell you. When she saw me coming out, <laughs> it was game over. 
and we, she'll share it with you the, the true story later. But uh, but um, that's what happened. That's what happened. And Pastor David, he ended up leaving that English ministry to start a church plant. And that church plant is actually now called Jubilee. And he's still doing that real strong. And so another Indian guy named Pastor Sam took over. And Pastor Sam Epen was from India. His parents were Pentecostal ministers in India. But he himself was like this closet Pentecostal. Because for the longest time, I thought he was like cessationist. I thought he was close to the, to the gifts of the Spirit. But when all these outpourings started happening, he kind of came out of the closet and said, Oh, I grew up with this stuff. I'm comfortable with this stuff. Oh, yeah, just leave it alone. That's the Holy Spirit. And so under his ministry, he gave us a lot of freedom to make mistakes. Because all of us didn't know what was going on. And as a lay leader, I got the opportunity to uh, start up a prayer movement. And we started meeting on Friday nights for a prayer meeting called Friday Fire. And at these prayer meetings, I kept teaching about the Holy Spirit. I kept reading about the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Sam, he didn't want to preach twice a week. So he was like, you know what? You, you just preach Friday Fire. So he would preach on Sundays and I would preach on Fridays. Little knowing that a year later, God would ask me to step up and lead the ministry. Because a year later, Pastor Sam got engaged with the Indian American girl he met in Chicago. They met once, and the next thing you know, they're getting married. <laughs> That's how Indians do it. There's one set of parents, another set of parents, and they think it looks good, and then they meet, and if they feel good, and it's on. It's game over. All of a sudden, he's leaving us, and we're just like, why are you leaving us? And the Korean church was concerned. They started looking through resumes to find somebody that could replace him. But they didn't want to kill the revival spirit that was going on. So they interviewed people and they just said no. And so finally they got a prophetic word in prayer. Somebody within the EM is going to rise up and take the leadership position. And that's when my name came up. And I had been preaching Sundays here and there. And I've been preaching on Fridays every week. And so they were like, you know what? You know, some people, they, they show me favor. Like the head pastor and the elder who was in charge of the English ministry, they show me favor. And they were like, I think Christian can do an awesome job. So uh, that was April of 2008. I stepped up to become the lead pastor. But what was happening between Pastor David and Pastor Sam, under their leadership, I started to discover that there was a gifting on me to release impartation. And so when I was a college student in New York, I was mentored by a Hispanic pastor, an Italian-American pastor named Brother Michael. He didn't like to be called Pastor Michael. He was like, I'm just a brother just like you. Just call me Brother Michael. So Brother Michael had this strong gift of prophecy. And so he got my attention, and he used to pray for me, and he'll be like, I'm just going to lay my hands on you, brother, and then you're going to receive a fresh impartation. I didn't know what none of that meant. But when I was a college student, I just received it. I just received it. I remember I would, I would have this boldness. I would have this passion for praise and worship. There were things that I would receive that wasn't there before after he prayed for me. But fast forward in Korea, April of 2008, by that time what I recognized was there was a gifting on me to release impartation to the body of Christ. And so in the very beginning when I started taking over this English ministry, I didn't know what I was doing. But one thing I noticed was continually happening. When I would do an altar call at the end of a sermon, I would call people forward. People would come forward. 
And then when I would lay my hands on them, they would just start crying. They would start shaking. And a lot of them would start falling. And so in the very beginning, I did this like during the summer of that April of 2008. I did it almost every single week. Because I just got a kick out of it. <laughs> and now I just was like every single week. But as people were receiving these impartations, it was powerful. People's lives were transforming. People were getting set on fire for Jesus in ways that they had never experienced before. So it was, it was powerful. In fact, in February of 2007, before I fell in love with my wife, I actually laid hands on her with the prayer team. And the moment I laid hands on Pastor Aaron, at the time she was just Aaron, 22-year-old Aaron, was just coming out of a, a lifestyle of drugs and all this alcohol and all this crazy. She used to, she, when I f- first met her, I looked through her Facebook photos. Like every other photo, she was sticking out the middle finger. <laughs> she was one of those girls. I was like, this girl needs deliverance. I remember February 2007, our prayer team, we just laid hands on her. And she had just gotten a healing deliverance session, and so she, she was just cleansed, and she just felt free. And we, I just laid my hands. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just, I just going to bless her. I laid my hands on her, and the fire of the Holy Spirit came upon her. And she just, <laughs> and her face got red like a tomato. And I said, wow, more, Lord. More, Lord. It was powerful. In fact, the impartation was so strong, she shook for a whole month. Like her hand kept shaking for a whole month. And she would do these crunches for a whole month. And she would be teaching elementary school, and and she'll have to try to hide her hand because the Holy Spirit was just marking her. The impartation was just so powerful. Now we know why God marked her so powerfully, right? But back then, I was like, why her? <laughs> little, little 22-year-old girl. She don't know, you know. But God was marking her. Yeah. It's powerful. You know, if you ever see Pastor Aaron pick up the mic, she only has one mode. And that's the fiery mode. She has no other mode of ministry except fire. That's because, man, she, her, her Christian experience was when she came back to the Lord, it was full of just the fire of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And when, when, we, uh, when I equipped her and trained her and she started stepping into the ministry, it was all through the experience of the fire of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So it's so natural to her. That's the only mode she knows. You saw her last night, Thursday Thunder, right? Yeah. She started prophesying and she kind of builds it up a little bit. But, but like within the third line, she's already up to like the highest volume she can scream, you know? She's just prophesying with fire. I'm telling you right now, nobody trained her to do that. It came as a result of importation. Now, she received teachings. She got equipped later on. But it was simply applying the things that, uh, to the heart that was already on fire for Jesus. In May of 2009, a year after I took over, New Philly, we shrank. I guess people didn't like all the altar calls every Sunday. <laughs> no, I was, some people were just offended. 
They would come and they'd be like, we heard so much about the church. And then they would see the altar call. And they were like, I'm never coming back to this church. What is, what is this? What are you doing up there? We were going on mission trips. And the fire of the Holy Spirit started showing up on our mission trips. And what was cool was, it was transferable. I would pray for Aaron. I would pray for Marcus. They would receive the fire. And then my intern pastors will go on mission trips because there was such a demand. We had to split up into four teams. They would lead their own teams. I could not go. I only went on one of the teams. A lot of times I went to the Philippines. And then they would go to Malaysia, Myanmar, all these other countries. And after they would preach, they would lay hands on people. And people were getting laid out by the fire of the Holy Spirit. So I realized this is transferable. This is awesome. I don't have to go myself. Like the, the pastors of the church, they can receive it and then they can minister in it. So New Philly, man, I mean, we really, this is a key ingredient to how we build our ministry. Is just to really embrace the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Now let me tell you, we don't go all wacky and wild and just chaotic. Because we've seen things like that as well as we've gotten introduced to the charismatic movement. I've been to meetings where I get a headache just sitting there for an hour. There's just so much chaos going on. I like order. I'm a man of structure. So if you ever see the altar calls that I lead in New Philly, I say, what do you, when I call you up for unforgiveness, and I sense that you got up for something else, or you, you, you're just coming up just to receive prayer, I'm like, are you, are, you, are you here for unforgiveness? They say, no, go sit down. <laughs> I'm just a man of structure. I'm a man of order, right? And so I like people lined up neatly, you know? All right, we got enough space for everybody to fall in case they fall. All right, everybody, okay, everybody come up. Photographers, you got enough room to take pictures? You know, I like, I like that. I like the order. Because God is the God of order, amen? So we embrace it, but we embrace it with discernment. If we feel like it's the devil trying to get attention... You know, our pastors will go over there and we make sure it gets bound and we make sure that person's calm and that person's not embarrassed and getting further trauma. You know, we make sure that we cover them. So whenever we do altar calls, we try to make a safe environment. In May of 2009, we invited a a guest speaker named Andreas Pisoni. This guy uh, was carrying the fire of the Argentinian revival, guy from Texas. And so he has all these videos up. If you go to abm.cc, andreaspisoniministry.cc, he has so many videos. He has one of our ministry. Because when he visited Korea, he made a video. And he has all these videos. And it's powerful. This man is powerful. And he intentionally pre-negotiated with the Holy Spirit to release the fire without touching people. I tried doing that with the Holy Spirit. He didn't agree with me. (laughs) He didn't want to make that agreement. But with Andreas Bissoni, Holy Spirit, for whatever reason, made that agreement. And I guess Andreas Bissoni heard too many testimonies of people getting jaded because they got pushed and fell. So Andreas Bissoni is like, Lord, I don't want my ministry to ever give that kind of impression to people. So Lord, you touch them. And so he'll intentionally, a lot of times, sometimes he'll lay hands, but most of the time, he'll just go like this over your face. He'll just go like this. He'll go like that. (laughs) And it's powerful. Like people, they look like they just got... Like, like punch in the face and just fly, you know. It's powerful, you know. And that, his anointing is growing more and more. Anyway, he came in May of 2009 and he ministered to the city. Uh, to, actually, he ministered to our Korean church. And then he ministered to the EMs of Seoul. 
And when he ministered to all the English ministries of Seoul, man, it was powerful. He was just laying people out, impartation for fire, more and more fire. So many people, their lives were transformed from that weekend. Or they were equipped and empowered from that weekend. All of these experiences have really contributed to the type of ministry that God has been building at New Philly. Impartation. So there's two basic ways in which people can receive impartation. Number one, the Bible shows us in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. On a second outpouring we see in Acts chapter 4. And in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. There's an impartation that you can receive through waiting in prayer. That's the first method. So nobody has to actually just lay their hands on you. Just through waiting in prayer, God can release impartation. In fact, I've heard testimonies, and in fact, I personally have experienced impartation through reading a teaching, like a book, or listening to a podcast. Like that young man on the airplane who, got, who broke out in tongues. That's an impartation that just simply came through listening to the Word of God. So impartation doesn't always have to come with the laying on of hands. But the, so the first way it comes is through waiting in prayer. Waiting in prayer. Cornelius, he was continually praying and seeking God. And when Peter came, he was preaching his message. In the middle of the message, there was an impartation of the baptism of the Spirit upon Cornelius' house. And this was astonishing to Peter and to John because at that time, only Jews were becoming Christians. Jews and Samaritans were the only ones becoming Christians. It was the first time Gentiles had become Christian. In fact, I bet if they did not receive that spontaneous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the impartation of the Holy Spirit, and Peter said, all right, let me lead you on the sinner's prayer. Right, raise your hand. And Cornelius' whole household, they, they prayed the sinner's prayer. Peter will probably still not have been convinced that they're Christians. It was only after he saw the Holy Spirit come on them as it came on the Jews, he was fully convinced, this is God. How can we stop this from happening? Actually, that happened to me one time in the Philippines. I was preaching at a, at a Bible school, a high school, but it was a Bible high school. There's all these kids in their uniforms, and we did this body worship, and the kids they just didn't like it. They just didn't like the body worship. And they were all looking tough. And they just, who are these people? You know, and they were all like, you know, jaded. And I just came up and I just got a little angry. I was like, these little joshics, these little punks, you know. I just started preaching. And as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit came on this one girl. And the girl just started weeping, like uncontrolled. Like, <gasps> and I was like, all right, that's just the Holy Spirit. Don't let that distract you from my message. And as I continued to preach, she started going, and I just started speaking, and it wasn't Tagala. <laughs> she was just speaking in tongues, some unknown language, at the top of her lungs. And I was, I, I was so determined, I'm so goal-oriented. I was determined to finish my message. So I was trying to be louder than her. I was like, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling. And I, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, look, just wrap up the message. So I said, all right, fine. All right, look, the Holy Spirit's moving in this room. If you want to receive an impartation, come up to the front. And the young people were so startled by their classmate praying in tongues like that at the top of her lungs, they all came forward. 
Even the men were just like, all the boys were just like, all stone cold. They just came forward and they start crying immediately at the altar. And I said, team, come on, come on, lay hands. Holy Spirit's moving, come on, come on. And the team came up, they just like lay hands. Ooh, people started falling. All these kids were on the ground falling and just getting the impartation of the Holy Spirit. It was powerful. Then I remembered what happened to Peter and Cornelius. And I was like, oh, this is the way Holy Spirit sometimes moves. So the first way is through waiting in prayer. Second way, which is a lot more common, is the laying on of hands. So in Acts chapter 8, Peter and John, they go to the believers in Samaria. Because the first time Samaritans have believed in Christ. And they go to them and they lay hands on them. And the Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is, a few verses later, Acts chapter 8 verse 18, Simon the sorcerer, he perceives something. He sees something. When Peter and John laid hands on the Samaritan believers, something happened. Because Simon the sorcerer, you know what he says? He says, how much for this ability? Because he was a sorcerer who was involved in witchcraft. He said, I want this ability too. What did he say? He said, how much for it? He was trying to pretty much pay for it. Yeah, he was offering money for, for this. So he obviously saw something. If, if, if it was simply Peter and John laying hands on these Samaritan believers and they just said, they were just quiet. And Peter and John are just like, receive. And they were just quiet. I don't think so- Simon the sorcerer would be like, hey, let me give you money for that ability. <laughs> There was something. Signs and wonders must have broke out. Because Simon the Sorcerer, that's power. Wow. Yeah. I know the black power, the, the black mint with the witchcraft power, but I want this power. This looks like more power over here. Yeah. And so Peter rebuked him. Uh, in Acts chapter 19, Paul, the apostle Paul, goes to Ephesus. And he encounters uh, these believers. And he baptizes them in water. And then he lays hands on them. For impartation. And the Bible says that they all started speaking in tongues. So the first way is through waiting in prayer. The second is through the laying on of hands. Through the laying on of hands. If you look in Romans 15 verses 17 to 19. I want to return there for a moment. Romans. At the end of Romans. Romans 15 verses 17 to 19. I'm going to read in the ESV. Romans 15, verses 17 through 19. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Elycrium, I have Fulfill the ministry of the gospel of Christ. What Paul is saying here in Romans is, he is saying the ministry of the power of the Holy Spirit was vital to his ministry of preaching the gospel. Without the ministry of the power of the Holy Spirit, he would not have seen the fruit that he saw in preaching the gospel. For the apostle Paul, the ministry of this impartation the power of the Holy Spirit coming forth in this experiential manner, it was vital to his ministry. It was central to his ministry. 
effectiveness of his ministry was not simply because of his preaching, but it was because of the power of the signs and miracles that was done by the Holy Spirit. Gordon Fee, he's a, a famous theologian. Gordon Fee, he actually argues that the Apostle Paul's most foundational doctrine was the experience of the Spirit as the basis for the certainty of one's salvation. So let me say that again. If I said it in my own words, it's like this. Gordon Fee argues that if you really study the ministry of the Apostle Paul, the way that he gave believers that assurance of salvation that they need to live a good Christian life, that confidence, that assurance, that assurance came through the experiential power of the Holy Spirit. It was actually even more important than his justification by grace through faith. Now, we as good Protestant Christians, we often think, oh, that, 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 that sounds almost heretical. You know, we believe that we get assured of, uh, of our salvation through the doctrine of justification by faith alone, through grace, through, uh, by, by grace alone, through faith alone. You know, we believe that. But if you really study the Apostle Paul's ministry, Gordon Fee is saying that actually wasn't the foundational doctrine of how he got people to be assured of their salvation. It wasn't him teaching you're saved by grace alone through faith alone. In fact, if you read the book of Galatians, the reason why he emphasizes that was because he was opposing the Judaizers. These are Jewish Christians that were trying to get the Gentile Christians to submit to Old Testament laws like getting circumcised, like obeying Sabbath laws. It was his opposition against them that brought out that doctrine. But when he did ministry to his churches, to his Gentile churches, a lot of times the way he got, got, gave them, he gave them assurance of salvation and confidence in the Christian life was through an experience of the Holy Spirit. You guys catch all that? The ministry of the Holy Spirit was the true source of his fruitfulness. This is why impartation is so important. Impartation cannot be this thing that we just that just happens when a guest speaker comes by. Although it happens a lot when guest speakers come by. Impartation has got to be a vital source of how we transform people's lives, especially young people. You, know, you look at young people these days, what, what do they get involved with a lot of times? They get involved with a lot of experiential things, like drugs. What's that thing, that hot box? What, what do young people do? They get into a car, they close up all the windows, and they just smoke weed in there. And all, all, the, all, the, all, the, all the whole car gets filled with smoke, and they're just like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Why are they so into that? Because young people these days, they have very little patience for creeds. They want experience. They have very little patience for people with doctorate degrees. They don't really care about that. They want to see substance. They want to see the real deal. Is this real? And when the church is not giving something that was so foundational to the Apostle Paul's early church planning ministry, when you don't give them that, young people, they lose patience and they start looking for it somewhere else. We need impartation to be restored and embraced by local church ministries again. Not just an episodic thing that happens once in a while, but something you know, at New Philly, you know what we do? <clears throat> if you want to join 
leadership with our church, you got to receive an impartation. Like, I will not appoint you as a small group leader unless I know that you received an impartation of the Holy Spirit. You, re- you received an experience of the baptism of the Spirit or the baptism of fire. If you never sought it, you never hungered for it, you never pressed in for it, and you never received it, a lot of times I'll delay promoting you to be a, to be a small group leader at my church. Why? Because I believe it's that vital. You don't, you don't, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have that experience. You at least small group, and you'll probably do it in the flesh. You just look to man's resources. You just, you know, look at the Tim Keller. Now, I love Tim Keller. Now, I love Tim Keller. Don't get me wrong. I was from New York City. I love Tim Keller. He's a smart man. He's a well-read man. One of the most brilliant minds that we know in the body of Christ right now. I love Tim Keller, but check this out, man. I'm going to be careful right here. <laughs> I love Tim Keller, all right? I love Tim Keller. <laughs> well, a lot of times when small group leaders can't see the fruit of discipleship in their small groups, you know what they do? They start bringing in all these smart and brilliant men. Look at, look at what Tim Keller has refuted in regards to science. What science says is false. Look what Tim Keller says. Look at all what all these brilliant and smart people say. And people think that that's going to help people to be convinced to put more faith in Jesus. And I'm just like, look, bring them to a Friday fire prayer meeting in New Philly. And we will call them out. And bring them to the front. And I'll say, open your, open, you know, put your hands up to receive, you know. And you know, if I say that with authority, I don't care who you are. Usually they, re- they open their hands to receive. <laughs> and the cool thing is, whether they're open or not, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just come upon them. That's why it's called charis. Grace. It's unmerited. God doesn't give it to the people in the room that are doing the most QTs. In fact, he'll come on people who are doing no QTs at all. He'll do it on people who are skeptics. I've seen people in the back and they're just stone cold. They don't want nothing to do with it. And I'll be like, young man, come up here. Young man, come up here. And they'll come up. Fire! (laughs) When I was in Australia, that's what happened. All these young people, they were... There was this um, group of volleyball players. And they were wearing these skinny, tight jeans. That's what's in in Australia. And they were you know, smoking cigarettes. And they were just like not listening to anybody. Coming to church serv- the, the retreat services late. And I was like, Lord, get them. Lord, I want them specifically. I want them. And man, God was faithful. At the end of the retreat, all of them got slain by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And their lives were never the same again. God ain't looking for well-educated, well-financed, or the well-experienced to build up His church. He's looking for humble people that will yield to the Holy Spirit and hungry people that will pull on the resources of heaven. That will learn to depend on the outpouring of the Spirit. That will learn to expect impartation as a vital aspect of their ministry. You know, in Romans 5.5, Apostle Paul says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, a lot of times young people, one of the number one reasons they walk away from the church is they, they say this, I don't feel the love of God at church. 
I don't feel the love of God in my life. I don't feel the love of God during the worship. You know what the Apostle Paul says? I did an exegetical paper on this, uh, on this verse. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. It was required for my seminary class. But when I studied it, one thing that's cool is the verb poured out here is a Greek word that is used continually for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of theologians, not a lot, but some theologians argue that what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is not just this figurative language like the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy the Apostle Paul is talking about here an experience of the Holy Spirit where people get assured of the love of God. You ever have that, have that happen to you? You come up to the altar and the speaker didn't talk about the love of God at all. In fact, the speaker might have been like this, fire, fire, come up to the front, receive the fire. But when you get the impartation, when you receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you start to cry because you sense the love of God. You sense it so close and near. And you're like, what is this? Wow. God, your love is real. My goodness. This is not just teachings and religion and theology. This is real. Your love is real to me. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's if every Christian in the body of Christ were experienced the Holy Spirit and the love of God in this way, we would have a lot fewer people, fewer young people walking away from the church. So, that's the first message I'm going to preach at this retreat. <laughs> I'm going to preach three messages, and I'm going to talk about, I'm going to try to unpack what are some of the big keys to how we built up this young adult ministry. And the first is impartation. All right, so now I've talked about it. Now let's participate. Let's see how the Holy Spirit moves here. Okay? So I want everyone just to close your eyes, and we're going to start preparing our hearts. Prepare your hearts. You know, a lot of churches, <clears throat> especially ones that are open to the charismatic movement, they experience impartations. But one thing that's unique about New Philly is the impartations we received are not just impartations of the Holy Spirit, but they're impartations of the Holy Spirit's fire. What that guy who came out of jail, Pastor James, what he did for us in the, in the very first service when he came. Impartations of fire. And so if you come to New Philly, our vision is to raise up an army of mighty warriors. And when you see our disciples and you see our leaders, man, these leaders are leaders that are, they're the real deal. They don't mess around. They pursue lives of holiness. They don't want to give the devil a foothold. And, and, and when they do it, they do it year in and year out, and they do it with fire. They do it with the zeal and passion. Like the zeal of Phineas in the Bible. Like the zeal of Jehu. Like the zeal of David. They do it with this zeal. And I believe these characters in the Bible, they, that zeal did not just come from within. That zeal came from the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit coming upon you gives you a new zeal for praise and worship. 
like that, Davidic spirit for worship. Where you don't care who's watching. You know, too many Christians, they come to church and they sing about God, but very few sing to God. Misty Edwards said it like this, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing to you. A lot of times when you don't have that impartation, you don't experience, and maybe you receive impartations in the past, but it's been a while. Maybe you haven't been able to steward that anointing. You haven't been able to walk. You've grieved the Holy Spirit or you, you walked in ways where, or you feel like that, that fire has burned out. You need a fresh feeling. You need a fresh impartation today. We want to pray for you. Because when you receive these outpourings and fillings of the Spirit, that's when, the, that's when you're able to truly worship in spirit and in truth. When you're able to worship and you sing to Jesus. And you sense His nearness. And you get a zeal and an impartation brings zeal and passion for prayer. Prayer is a discipline. But it's also a delight. But a lot of people never experience the delight. Because they just think of prayer in a textbook manner. No, prayer... Is a spiritual activity. And the best person to lead you in that spiritual activity is the Holy Spirit. He loves it when we pray. In fact, He does some prayer Himself. For the Bible says, even the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We got to get with the Holy Spirit and receive His fire. So I want to pray for people tonight. I want to pray for people. I want to pray for people to receive that metadidomi, that impartation. And whatever ministry that you're from, whatever local church you're from, that as you are filled with the very Spirit of God, your spiritual gifts are activated. Your zeal is set ablaze. Sometimes God will even set people free from certain bondage. He doesn't do it all the time, but when he does, it's powerful. So that when you go back to your ministries, you're blessed to be a blessing. And you don't do it out of the flesh. You do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you want to receive prayer, I want you to stand up here tonight. Just stand up from where you are. If you want to receive prayer for impartation tonight. If you want to sit down and continue to pray, that's up to you. That's fine. You can do that too. You don't have to feel any pressure. It starts with desire. If you want to receive a greater fire, it starts with desire. You got to want the fire. You got to want the fire. You got to be content with the graces that you've received already, but you've also got to be, there's got to be holy discontent because you want more. There's a hunger and thirst for more. You got to have a desire and then ask for it in faith. It's not according to works, but according to faith, God gives His grace. God pours out His Spirit. Yeah. Fresh impartation, Lord. Yeah. Just prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts. If there have been unconfessed sins in your life, bring them before the altar right now. Bring them before the Lord. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, the word of God says. He who has clean hands, 
and a pure heart. And you might be saying to yourself, Lord, I don't have clean hands. Lord, my heart is not pure right now. Well, that's why Jesus shed his blood on Calvary. It's through the blood of Jesus that you're able to get clean hands and a pure heart. And when you confess your sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all your sins. Cleanse you of all your unrighteousness, all your filth. He makes your sins that are like crimson, he makes them as white as snow by the blood of Jesus. So you don't have to work up some long penance prayer. You just come before the Lord with confidence sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. Just like the high priest, they were sprinkled by the blood of goats. And they were, they were required to be sprinkled by that blood when they came into the Holy of Holies. Today, as priests of the Lord, you are all high priests of the Lord. You come into the Holy of Holies sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. As long as you know you're coming through Jesus' blood, you can come with confidence. Get the new Philly team when you guys come up. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Yeah. God wants to release fire on some of you. Others of you, He just wants to pour out His love on you tonight through the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants to touch each and every one of you. He wants to touch each and every one of you. Yes, let's prepare your hearts. Come on, see how that I'm so dear. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Jesus, have your way. You are the baptizer. You are the one who baptizes your people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus, come. Pour out your Spirit upon all your sons and daughters, God. Strengthen, O oh God. Strengthen, O oh God. Release impartation for anointing power. Anointing power that will be transferable. That when they pray for their small group members on their campuses, at their local churches, their small group members will experience impartation of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Release and equip and empower tonight, Lord. All right, if you're standing up, come forward to the front. Come forward to the front. Yeah. If you're standing up, just come forward to the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water. But he who comes after me, whose sandals I'm not even fit to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. With fire. Jesus wants to baptize you with fire. He wants to burn away the things in your life that needs to be burned away. The things that need to go, He wants to burn that away by His grace, by His fire. He wants to equip some of you who are in the ministry. He wants to equip you with fresh fire tonight. With powerful anointing tonight. Yes! 
So you don't do just ministry in the flesh. But you do ministry just like the Apostle Paul did ministry. You do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Get it if you sit there, it is 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 sit there, it